morning, everyone. Good to be in the black country. Is that, is that okay, uh, technically? Yeah, okay, good. Good. I, uh, the first time I ever came here, um, somebody said to us, uh, I heard somebody say, the parties are here. quite a good accent, wasn't it? It wasn't bad. And, uh, but, we, but we've always felt very welcome in spite of that racist slur. <laughs> Didn't hurt me at all. Uh, today, we've had a great conference. Uh, uh, amazing, magnificent, exciting, awesome, fantastic, wonderful, and all of the above. And uh, funny, if I, I tweeted on, on uh, Twitter, I tweeted on Twitter, that uh, I was at the I, Con- I Grow conference and somebody came back and said, is that about gardening? <laughs> so, uh, and, but so in keeping with uh, sort of the final thing in terms of this idea of personal growth and growing together, I'm going to talk on prayer. Big, and I've called it praying big prayers. Hmm. Praying big prayers. I, I kind of uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you a little bit about my own prayer journey in a moment of, of how the Lord started me on it. But uh, I realized I needed up my game. And last, uh, I've, I've got something called atrial fibrillation, AF. It's a, a irregular heart flutter. And uh, anyway, I've been on beta blockers for years, etc. And then I finally uh, got put down for the operation. And I didn't get put down for the operation, but I, <laughs> they put my name down for the operation. You know, you, get, you know what I'm talking about. And I, went, I got the operation and, uh, in September in Leicester and it was a complete success but two days before I went we were flying over Priscilla said to me I do all the financial stuff on her it's just the way it is she sort of you know it's just not her she does all the other stuff and gardening and cooking and cleaning and I said she said to me Paul could you give me uh, the pin numbers of our accounts <laughs> and I said well what do you mean she said, well, you might, you might pop your clogs. I mean, you know, I need to know how to get into our money. And I, and I realized, oh, my goodness. I need to up my game here. I was praying that, I was praying that Glen, Glen, Glen something hospital would be nice and clean. You know what I mean? I, I, and I started to pray some serious prayers after that. I upped my game. Actually, our, on our, uh, we're, we're married almost 40 years this year. Uh, and later on uh, in the year and uh, when we first got married we decided we'd set aside every Tuesday night to pray together a very commendable young couple Uh, and it lasted about two weeks (laughs) because I said Priscilla's prayers were were long and boring and she said mine were short and superficial and we realized we had a different rhythm and style of prayer. It was just we, we, and it's just the way it is sometimes. And Priscilla's, I caricature it. It's not quite like this, but it is. And, and, it, and, it, and it, yes, it is. And it goes like this. It says, oh, Lord, I thank you that I met Joan at the school gates today at 10 past three. Oh, no, wait a second, Lord. I think it was just slightly later than that. Because just before I came out, Dad had called because he, mommy wasn't feeling well and she had called the doctors and then the doctor, that's that nice Johnny Miller fellow who goes to our church now, you know, he's really nice. So it, and, you know, and everything in me wants to go, stop, just get on with it. <laughs> Can I get a witness out there? Anybody 
reckon, yeah, it's, you know, and it, it's, it's, not, it's neither right nor wrong, it's just boring. And, and it's just one of those things. But what it is, is it shows you that different people have different rhythms. And you've got to find your own rhythm and what, what, what works for you. And the issue is not how do you do it, but the fact that you do it. And there's something very powerful about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to read uh, from Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4. And this is one of the big prayers in the New Testament. I love it. Peter and, uh, and John have just uh, they've seen an incredible slam dunk miracle at the temple. They get imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And they've just been released. And they meet with a group of others. And it says this, on their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And here's what they said. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. One of those big prayers. And, but what you, what you find is when you're at the awful moment when your iPad doesn't work. <laughs> it's coming now, okay? It's definitely, just talk among yourselves for a second, will you? <laughs> there we go. It said it's, it's uh, conflict resolved. That's okay. I'll just have to, I'll just have to wing it. No notes. Could we pray? <laughs> Lord, my iPad won't work. My worst nightmares happened. Help me to remember it. Thank you. <laughs> the Lord sends answers just like that, doesn't he? Incredible. Answer to prayer, I'm telling you. I better get on with this here because time's passing on. And of course, Peter and John, they're on the back of a slam dunk miracle, as I've said. They've seen 3,000 people saved. They're preaching the word of God. They get in prison. They're told to shut up and stop preaching. And what happens is uh, uh, they, they go for it and, uh, and they're, 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 they're crying out to God and something happens and you think, wow, it must have been like that all the time. But of course, what we realized was it wasn't always paper. <laughs> Give me that. Give me that paper woman. <laughs> Embarrassing. Because a few a few short years earlier, Peter is a fisherman. And let, you, let me just read you one of his prayers. He's, remember, uh, Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge, edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and one, the one belonged to Simon, which is Peter, and they asked him to put out a little from shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. 
Simon answered, Master, we've, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. You can almost feel the exasperation in his voice. You know, I'm the fisherman. We're the fishermen. Who are you? I, I, you know, we've worked hard. But, but he says, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners to, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Here's what it says. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. So it didn't, it didn't always... Um, it did, uh, take that away, would you please? Do you think that was all arranged? But it wasn't, to be honest with you. And, and, I, and I suppose I, I, I really I, I love this because it shows us one thing in this, that the people who pay big fr- prayers are the people with small egos. Because Peter starts with a realization when, when, he, when he sees the catch of fish and he sees this, it was Jesus, he gets a revelation. I, we don't quite know what it was, but he gets a revelation. He realizes something about who Jesus is and about who he is himself. And he says, Lord, go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. And, and, and what you find is whenever you, whenever you start on this prayer journey, and, and it's, it goes right through your life, you start to pray, uh, you realize that there isn't anything that you can do that you don't need God's help with. And you start with the place where you say, I can't, but you can, Lord. And I think all prayers, big or small, start there. You start and you say, Lord, I can't be a good dad. I can't be a good father. I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good... I can't do anything without you. I used to just think that I couldn't preach well without God. Then I discovered I couldn't preach well with, with him even. But, I, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but, I, but I, you know, I realized... I realized there wasn't anything in my life that I couldn't bring to the Lord. And I had to, I suppose, humble myself. And it began, I suppose, a journey of faith for me and a journey of prayer. Or that whatever I was talking about, uh, whatever I was talking to the Lord about, that I realized that he was the senior partner in in this relationship. You know, I am a child of God. I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I'm a particular of the divine nature. I am forgiven. I have access into the presence of God. But he is the senior partner. There's something that we've got to grasp about, about the, the uh, transcendence of God. We kind of, God is not, God is other than us. He became a man. He, he dwelt among us and lived among people. But the reality is there's something powerful about God. And I realize that there's nothing that I can do without him. And that's a very good place to start. And, and I don't know where you are in your, in your prayer journey, but you start at that point. You go, actually... God listens to people with small egos. When they say, you can, but I can't. Number two, very simple. Prayer begins with small things and insignificant issues. You know, I, I think prayer is, it's not just an event, it's a lifestyle. You, you, you just chat the, you know, there are times when you're on your face and you're crying out, but actually most of the day you don't do that, let's be honest. You drive the car, you get the bus, you go to work. So therefore, you've got to incorporate a communion and a conversation with God in your everyday life. And, and it's got to be part of who you are and in a way that suits you. I, I, I look at Peter. I wonder, you know, having been up all night fishing and they haven't caught anything. Peter, Peter, I wonder, does he say, does he, you know, before Jesus spoke to him, does he go, Lord, one fish? Could we, could we have one fish? 
You know, it's like, it's a pretty basic prayer, but he starts with what's going on. Why? Because prayer shouldn't be reserved for serious illness and national emergencies. It's got to be part of your life. I, I uh, was a, a student uh, in Belfast, and I was doing my O-levels. Anybody remember O-levels? Oh, a lot of old people here. Anybody remember senior, anybody remember senior certificate? I missed it by a year, actually. And uh, anyway, I was a ter- actually the, the 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 thing that really stru- I struggled with uh, was maths. And uh, I remember I, I failed O level maths three times. I mean, I just it just didn't compute. I just couldn't get it. And the thing that really stumbled me was a thing called, in fact, I, I need I need prayer every time I say it. Simultaneous equations. Anybody remember simultaneous equations? You know, did I, I'm 63. To this, every day I wake up and I go, another day when I won't have to use simultaneous equations. <laughs> but I remember, I remember praying about it. I remember saying, I remember thinking, you know, there's God, I've just become a Christian. And, and uh, I'd met, I just met Priscilla. And, you know, she, it, she, was a, she was a much more mature Christian than I was. And she was teaching me lots. But I, I remember just sitting down in my books and saying, I just don't get this. Who invented this stuff? And the light went on. It was God who invented it. So what on earth are you thinking about? Inventing <laughs> something that we had to learn we never got to use. Somebody, of course, came up to me in the interval and said there were people around here, scientists, and they went, I use it every day, you know. Well, da na 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 <laughs> you. Anyway, I said, I thought to myself, do you know, if Jesus invented simultaneous equations, he must know more about it than I do. And actually, it's a, it's a great realization that what you're, even the most intricate problem and thing you're going through, that is, you know, it's, he, he knows more about it than you do. Why? Because he is the Lord of the universe. And I prayed about it. And the fourth time I did my GCSE O-level maths, I got it. I got a, I got a grade six, which was the lowest pass you could get. 40, <laughs> 40 to 45, but you know something? I'm more proud of that pass than any other exam I, never, I ever passed in my life. Did I say never? Ever passed in my life. So God, there's something about beginning with small things and building up to it. And, and I, I, like it, I like it that Peter starts with fish. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm reading into it, but there's something about this. He starts with what he knows and within the boundaries of his faith and his maturity. So I don't think at this stage Peter could have got up and went, you know, Lord, you are the ruler and the sovereign of the heaven and the earth. Stop their threats and let us preach the word with boldness. He says, it starts with fish. Now, what's, what's my point? My simple point is that he starts at where he is his level of maturity and his faith. For instance, if you're if you're you need some money and you're looking for ten thousand, if you've never prayed for five pounds and seen the Lord release that to you, you're not going to get ten. You do it in incremental stages. That's the way it works. I have a great story of friends who were missionaries, went to, Par- went to Paris to learn French. Uh, they were going to spend their life in France, and you know they got settled in. They got the, mastered the language, and finally got a house outskirts of Paris. And uh, they, they were praying every day, Lord, you know, save France. And, and uh, you know, it was almost the Lord said to them one day, 55 million people, you don't really believe that, do you? And, and they kind of agreed and, and said, well, what do we pray for? And uh, they felt the Lord say, well, what could you believe me for? Interesting. And they said, well, that we could actually have a conversation with our neighbor. 
So the next day they're out mowing the lawn. Neighbours mowing his lawn. Hang on. Bonjour, monsieur. Ça va? That's the limit of it. That's all as far as it goes. Deux cafés au lait et deux croissants, s'il vous plaît. So I got that bit. And, and uh, so the neighbour's lawnmower breaks down. So he hops over the fence, fixes the lawnmower, and they go, well, that was great. So then, you know, they, they, everything's fine. And the next, they start praying, Lord, that we could, what's the next thing? Pray that we, we could have a conversation or a meal with them even, you know, or something would happen. And, and so the next day, the neighbor comes in and, and he, uh, he invites them to have uh, a meal with them. And, and he said, just want to thank you for what you did. And we'd love to have you. Been here for a few months. And, and said, so they go back and say, great, we're going to have a minute. What, what could we pray for now? Lord, would you open the door that we could talk to him about you and about what we're doing here? So they're sitting down to their meal. And the neighbor says, where do you go every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock? And it's almost as if stage by stage, their faith grows. They're able to ask for more. And eventually, of course, they say, Lord, we'd love to see our neighbor come to know Jesus. And what happens is him, the man and his wife come to know the Lord. And there's something powerful about starting where you are. And, and, and it's not that you don't burst into that big prayer eventually, but I think it's a growth thing. And for me, it was just simply starting with the simple things of my life and starting small. I think also the next point is big prayer start with ordinary, imperfect people. He's a fisherman out in the water. He's got a real job. Prayer is not for the specialists. It's not for the people who, and, and there, are, there are people who, it's what they do, honestly, and, and you know, I admire them incredibly, um, and, and there's, it's, it's, it's a, there's a burden, but, but the reality is prayer in the heart and the life of a church is the job. It's not a special gift. Now, I don't, at least it's not mentioned in Scripture. I think some people have an extra burden for it. I, I think I'll say that, but it's not a spiritual gift. It, it's a bit like, you know, a bit like saying, well, you know, they've got the gift of tithing, but I don't. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Prayer is for every single person. Communication with God, everyday issues, ordinary and perfect people uh, what, doing whatever you're doing. And, and what you find is this, you know, God uses imperfect people. I don't want to be a hypocrite. We don't want to, I don't want to chant words or well-repeated sayings. I don't want to just use God when it suits me. But sometimes those things of unworthiness can paralyze your ability to pray. Because you think, you know, I only come to God and this conversation only starts up when I'm in trouble. That's why you need to engage, I think, on a continual rolling conversation. The famous theologian of the 19th century, C.H. Spurgeon, preacher and theologian, he said he never prayed longer than 10 minutes at a time. But he never went 10 minutes without prayer. So in other words, he was in continual connection with God. And I think that's really important. And there's something very important about God using imperfect people who pray imperfect prayers. And, and we want to we do better. But, but I think that we need to step up and say, Lord, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on with me. But I'm going, to, I'm going to begin to believe you and raise my sights and increase my level of faith and maturity. Uh, probably the, the greatest example for me in my life was well, many years ago uh, I went to India with Alan George and uh, we'd, we had a contact out there we went out to a place called Vijawada and it's in Andhra Pradesh it's hellfire Andhra hottest food, hottest weather in the whole of India even, even the folks who live in Mumbai say to you how do you eat the food down there because it's so hot and, uh, and we had just gone through uh, about nine days of meetings honestly 
we were sucked dry. We were physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally ready for home. We were, we, we had the food, you know, was different than we'd ever had before. There were things going on with our bodies that had never gone on quite the same before. And, and we were just, and the last night of the meetings came, and we, we were in a hotel, a hotel, loosely a hotel, and, and we, because uh, it was a long time ago. In fact, in, in the Manorama, they used to be, they had a monkey in it, a large monkey, and he sat on the stairs, and as you went past the stairs, he would go, Honestly, it was, it was shocking. We were scared out of our wits. Every time we went up the stairs, he not touchy, don't worry. Oh yeah. And uh, and so we were uh, we were getting we were getting packed up, and we were. Do you know the mob happy? Do you know that sort of word? We were kind of a. I'm coming home. I've done my time. And uh, and a knock came to the door, and we were getting the train to go to what was Madras then. Chennai it is now. And there was an Indian gentleman standing at the door. And uh, he said, to, and I said, what do you want? I said, yeah, yes, brother, can I assist you in any way? I wasn't very friendly, because I, I wanted to get home. We were done. And he said, um, he said well, I, I wonder could I talk to you? He said, I, first of all, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Hindu. And he said, I've got cancer of the esophagus, and I'm dying. And he said, I, I was, uh, we were out of town. I've been at a clinic. I'm a civil engineer. We spent all the family's money on, on a cure, but there's nothing they can do, and they've sent me home to die. He said, I, I, you know, and his, his voice was quite husky, but very good, clear English, uh, you know. And he said, here's what he said to me. I saw your posters in the railway station, and I wondered, could Jesus do something to help me? Because we made some pretty astounding claims. And I remember thinking, probably not. I know that's terrible in a Christian church, but, but really, honestly, that's something through my, talk about imperfect people, it was like, no, I, I very much doubt it, but anyway, so anyway, he came in, and he said, and I said to Alan, we went in the bathroom, so we were going to do, we were praying, so we said to pray for him, and uh, so we, we came out, and the sweat is lashing off us, I mean, it is shocking, it's nine o'clock at night, and it's still over a hundred degrees, you know, and in fact, tells you how old I am, but 47, you know, 37, 39, it was terrible, and so we start to pray, and we say, well, give it our best shot here, and we start, and of course, he, he doesn't know anything about how you, you stand in meetings, that you go like this here, <laughs> he just stands like this here with his eyes open, so we sort of, we start, we start to, we start to lash into him, and we we give it the welly, you know, we, we bind it, we loose it, we, we cast it in, we cast it out, we do everything we can. And we give it our best healing prayer to be. We're out but then I look across at Big Alan. Now, I was about four stone heavier in those days, and Alan was four stone heavier than me. And we were two big lumps of a lad, and this is a little tiny man, and the two of us are in our boxer shorts. <laughs> And I don't know what he was thinking about, but the, the two of us are, and we're praying. And then I look over, and Alan has Scooby-Doo boxer shorts on. <laughs> and I have Santa Claus boxer shorts on. You remember the days he used to, I don't know what he thought he was going in, into. So I said, how do you, how do you feel? And he, you know, he just looked at me. So we, get, uh, we, we gave him a card and, and a thousand rupees, which is about two quid or something. You know, it wasn't a lot of money, but we gave, you know, just said, didn't know what to do. And three months later, Alan came out, came into my um, 
office waving a letter from the man. Days of letters. And it said, my dear brother in Christ, as you can see, I've been completely healed from throat cancer from, and, and I've become a Christian along with my wife and family. Oh, yes! <laughs> so we were buzzing, honestly. Absolutely buzzing. So the next Sunday, we got everybody out in the church who had a headache in the last two weeks. And we lined them, we lined them all up. We lined them all up. And we said, we're going to pray. Just Alan and I, because we are the anointed men of God. And the two of us went up and down that line and we, we led into them. We, we, we prayed for them. We got them. We did. We, we even, when things got so desperate, nobody was getting better. We showed them the letter. So we did like this here. And then we were, we were desperate because nobody was getting better. There was nobody, clean. honestly, it was one of those, you kind of think, Lord, I worked there, could it not? And, and, and then Alan whispers to me, because we don't have our lucky underpants on. <laughs> they actually did say that to me. In fact, this morning. <laughs> you're okay. Don't, don't tempt me. So, there's a, so the good thing is, God uses imperfect people, doesn't he? With bad attitudes and even stupid motives. And that's the wonderful thing about God. You realize that when you have, a, when you have that, you know, I'm not God, but he can and I can't. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And moving on, Quickly, shall I say, <laughs> big, big prayers aren't for just, just for, for bright people. I, I always think Peter wasn't the sharpest tool in the box. He's sort of a, and, and why do I say that? Because in, in Hebrew tradition, in those days, all the, all the young men would have had their chance at learning the uh, Pentateuch, the, the uh, Hebrew scriptures. And, the, you know, when they got to about 10, the best of the best would be taken on to the next level. And eventually the best, just a few left who had mastered, knew the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, off by heart. And they were apprenticed to a rabbi. And then they would travel around with him and they would learn from him with the idea of becoming a rabbi themselves. Lots of troubling teachers around in those days. But Peter's a fisherman. What does it mean? It means he wasn't smart enough to be able to do that. But the wonderful thing about prayer is this. God doesn't only just use bright people. He uses everyday, ordinary people. Something powerful about it. I think for us, the, the, the Western mindset is that if we knew something about, a little bit more about something, we could do it more properly, a bit like physics. It's only when a principle is tested and a skill used that it becomes a value in your life. See, you can listen to the best teaching. You are listening to the best teaching on prayer that you will ever hear. But the reality, the reality is this. If you don't begin to do it, it'll never become a part of your life. And the best people I, I've known is, is, you know, when our kids, when we started to pray with them, when they saw some things happen and answers come to their prayers, it built something into them that never left them. And so with our girls in their, all in their journey in different ways, you know, when they say to us, they, they will say, mom and dad, we'll, we'll get, a, uh, we'll get a, a text, a, a group family text on WhatsApp. Please pray, because they know that we pray and that prayer actually works. There is a God who moves. 
Sometimes there's something in us that says, if it had a bit more fine-tuning and I understood a little, a little bit more, then all was well, then I would burst into spontaneous, glorious prayer. But that's control. And the opposite of prayer. Prayer is where you calmly and deliberately surrender control and become incompetent. So what do you mean? You come before God and you confess that you don't know it all. No, all is not exactly right, right. But here we are, Father, and I need you. A man called Emil Griffin said this. Those who think they can leap over simple prayer deceive themselves. Most likely they themselves have not prayed. They may have discussed prayer, analyzed prayer, even written books about prayer. But it's highly unlikely they've actually prayed. So God uses simple prayers from simple people. And big prayers are, I think, best prayed in the company of friends. I, 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 uh, I, there's always something like um, A.W. Tozer, some of you will have heard of him, you know. Uh, Alan Redpath, another man of God, said when he, went to, when he went to Moody Memorial in Chicago, he wanted to meet A.W. Tozer just after the Second World War. And he phoned Tozer up and said, I'd love to meet you. And he said, any morning, four o'clock, on the shores of my little cottage at Lake Michigan, and there would be Tozer. He, would, he said he would straggle in about nine o'clock in the morning after breakfast, Tozer's lying prostrate in the ground, this single figure crying out to God, etc. And that's the picture we have of prayer that really works. But I, I, for, for us, I found that my prayer life was transformed when we started to meet at early morning prayer in our church many years ago. It, it, it sort of did something. And it works for, what I'm saying is, it works for some people. Some people just like to be on their own. I, I, I need, you can probably tell I'm a you know I need people around me I need to be able to talk to people interact with them and I found it I found it helped me to pray with other people and I would say in your connect group and your life group if you don't have one of those join one uh, and, and if it's not you know get a group of people who pray with you I think prayer and community helps keep you rooted in reality you know why because people go weird on their own they do they, do, they really do we, we, we had a girl, and she, and she used to, she, she would have, she would, but didn't want to pray with anybody because the Lord gave her great in-depth things. And, and she came to me one day, and she said, Paul, I've got this word for you. And I said, oh, well, what's that? She said, well, I get a picture of a three-legged cow. And it's standing at the edge of Niagara Falls. And it's got a wheelbarrow, and you're in the wheelbarrow, and it wheels you across Niagara Falls. Wow. And she said, when it gets, up, when it gets to the other side, it, it jumps on a can of ambrosia creamed rice and sings Yankee Doodle Dandy. And she said, I don't know what it means, but I'll just leave it with you because the Lord gave that to me. <laughs> Bernard, you don't know the, 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 the interpretation of that, do you? Anybody, anybody getting a sense of what that might mean? You see, if she had prayed with other people, they would say to her, have you, been, have you been on the magic mushrooms again? You know, they'd say to her, well, don't be weird. Something about praying with other people that uh, gives you perspective and helps you to deal with the real issues. Number two, prayer and community, I find, helps me keep going when the, when the going's tough. When you can't pray, somebody prays for you. You say, that's never happened to you. Oh, yes, it has. We've had some really tough times, particularly in relation to our kids and our family, and many of you have had the same. And there's some days, Priscilla would say, tell you her story, that she just, for three months, just said, Lord, the only thing I can do is to pray the Lord's Prayer. But you know something, with people around us who prayed for us, that really helped us. 
Praying in community gets you prayer when you need prayer and can't pray. Number three, praying in community helps you keep the focus outside of yourself. We all need a healthy focus when it's all about us and me and mine. It does, it does kind of be a bit incestuous. You've got to look out. And people praying with other people means you don't continually look in all the time. And number four, praying in community enables you to share in the joy of answered prayer. We all need, our pr- we all need serious faith building. I, 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 think, I think for me, what I, one of the things I've noticed you guys have been doing is uh, story of people whose lives have been transformed by, by meeting Christ. And you know something, that's the most faith-building exercise because before that person ever came to know Christ, you know what happened? Somebody prayed for them. There's, it was a, that did, it wasn't an event. It was a process that went on. Somebody prayed for them. And it builds your faith. You go, you know something, if God could save a person like that, he could save my father and my mother and my son and my daughter and my friends. There's something about stories and the, uh, of being together with people where they say, guess what happened? I went to such and such, I prayed this year, and the Lord opened it, and something happens, and it builds your faith. And finally, I think that people who pay, pray big prayers remember how big God is. I think that's where Peter got in the end. You know, he said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. And there's something very powerful about continuing to reminding ourselves, and we've talked about it, how big God is. And there comes a time when you're praying where you stop talking to God about your problems and you start talking to your problems about God. Do you understand there's a big difference? And there's something that just takes you over a level and over, I think, over the line when you get that. I, I, I want to say something about, just about prayer. Uh, somebody, there is a kind of a thing goes around the church that prayer is primarily about changing us. Even C.S. Lewis said that, and I think he was dead wrong. Because I, I, I actually believe that prayer does change us. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But that's not what we're told to engage in it. We're commanded to engage in prayer because it's God-ordained means of impacting him and changing the world. Jesus didn't say if we have faith and pray, our attitude towards mountains will change. He said the mountain would move. Prayer changes what happens in the world. There are more if and then clauses associated with prayer in the Bible than any other single activity. The Lord says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them. The purpose of the prayer wasn't to change the hearts of the Israelites, although it did. It was to impact God, to move and change the land. If they would pray, they would experience that. And if they didn't, they wouldn't. Do you know what it means? It means that some things, and, and I tread carefully, but some things don't actually get done because we don't pray. You say, oh, well, God will do it. God will do it anyway. God will do it. That's fatalistic or Calvinistic. They're both the same thing. And uh, sorry, no offense, man. But I hope you took it. Because there's something about, there's something about that. There's something very powerful about people who grasp that sense of, if we pray, God will do something. If you pray for your family, God will move. If you don't pray, the only thing you can be certain of is that God won't move. As I finish today, let me uh, tell you another story. 
In, Bel in Northern Ireland at the minute, there's a great church in the North Coast called the Causeway Vineyard. And we've watched it grow. It's been about 15 years now. And uh, Alan and Catherine Scott have done a fantastic job. And about, uh, they've been doing healing on the streets, praying for people in the streets, healing for years. But about, just about 15 months ago, uh, they, uh, an evangelist who Leon knows, Mark Marks, came along. And they decided that they would go onto the street and talk to people about Jesus. Now, you might say, well, that, you know, people do that. But they said they, they devised a, a, a little three-question just said they were going to ask three questions of people. So stop somebody in the street. And before I go into that, the latest survey from Evangelical Alliance, literally within the last month, tells us this, that people, are, people in terms of spiritual religious things, they are more open to be prayed for than any other religious activity. So what, what, you, what, what I mean by that is this, if you say to somebody, can I pray for you? 80% of people say they would welcome it. It's, it shows that you care. It's, it's, a, it's not, will you come to a meeting? But you started the place, could I pray? Would you mind if I prayed for you? I'm going to pray for you. People mostly are delighted with that. Whatever religion you come from, something very powerful that breaks through into people's hearts and lives. But the three questions are this. Could I ask you three questions? Okay, that's the first one. Number two, wait for it. Number two. If you could ask God for anything right now, what would it be? That's, that's what they say. And, and without, they say like almost without exception. Obviously there's a few people. Uh, and one person said to, to Mark uh, that you would stop asking me questions. <laughs> but, but, you know, people start and think and they go, if I could ask God for anything now, what would it be? And they generally come out with something I haven't been well, my mother's not well, my you know, something's happened in my family, etc. And, and immediately they go, hey, can we pray for you? And right on the street, they just pray for them. And I think it's absolutely powerful. Could I, could I do that right now? Can I just, let me ask you the second question. If God could do anything for you right now, what would it be? You know, just into yourself. I talked about, I've talked about illness earlier, and I'm, I'm going to do it now. If anybody is physically ill, long-term or even short-term, carrying pain, I just love the opportunity to pray for you. So if your question, the answer to your question was that God would heal you, if you're able, would you stand now and just give us a chance to, to pray for you? Okay, I'll do it again. If you're sick, if you're ill, and you'd like me just to pray for you now, I'm a simple and perfect person who hopefully has got a small ego though sometimes you'd wonder but I've got a big God and I've graduated to praying for big prayers Father every person who stood here today would you put your hand towards them would you do that please let them know they're not on their own don't know what it is, Father. It might be physical, it might be emotional. You know. In the name of Jesus, because that's the name that we pray in. Anoint your servants with boldness that in the name of Jesus, we say be healed right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you flow from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet? Lord, where there's a tumor, would you shrink it and let it disappear? Every trace of cancer to leave their body. 
Father, where there's broken hearts, would you begin to heal that heart today? In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Let's keep praying for people. And lastly, last question. What do you think the greatest miracle is that God could do for you? That's the question I ask. And people go, oh. Uh, And of course, on the back of that, they say, well, actually, the greatest miracle is that you could know Jesus. And that would be the most wonderful, incredible start. Your Sunday today. Let me ask you that question. What do you think is the greatest miracle that Jesus could do for you? I think it would be not that he, not that he would or could heal you. Not that, that, you know, that's really important and that would be great. But the real thing for me would be, is it possible that you could have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? That would be the greatest miracle that he could ever do. And he made it possible by sending his son to die on the cross. And because of that, he gets punished and you go free. And you begin a new life. It's called in the Bible being born again. A new life in Jesus. And it's yours if you ask him today. Why don't we pray? Liam, would you come up and just pick up the prayer? Okay. Jeez, yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. So that's you. I want to just ask you to just say to God right now. Just say something like this. God, thank you for loving me. God, thank you. You know me. God, I want to open up the door of my heart, my life right now to you. I want to turn around from going away from you and I want to come towards you. God, I say yes to you, Lord, now. Just invite him into your life right now. You know, if you pray that prayer, we'd love to talk to you afterwards. And Simon's going to be standing right there by the door on the way out. Love to shake your hand and say hi, give you some literature, maybe even pray for you if you want him to do that. Father, thank you for all that you've said to us this morning and over this weekend. God, I pray that you'd have stirred something in our heart. And maybe today now to say, Lord, let's begin to pray bigger prayers. Maybe for some of us to go back a little bit and start with praying for the small things. And to begin that process again. Maybe some of us have stopped doing that. And we've got stalled or stuck with this whole prayer thing. God, I pray that you'd kickstart us again. God, we're we're weak, we're imperfect people. We're not that bright. But God, you use prayers of people like us to change the world. God, that's amazing. God, we pray that, Lord, in this day and age, that, Father, that this church and that this community of people will be people who pray big prayers. That we will see our lives and our friends and our neighbours and our work colleagues and our communities and our schools and our cities and our towns impacted for you because we begin to pray big prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.